Coming up on Chasing Natty, the season is just around the corner and by far the most important thing to pay attention to right now is news coming out of fall camps. We're here to give you a primer as to what we're looking for as news continues to roll out. From competition battles to news that's already broken to maybe a few sleepers along the way, we've got it all covered for you. All this and more coming right after this. Looking to Jarrett Stearns, who makes the catch and scores. What a burst! Trey Vaughn Anderson! As advertised, touchdown Buckeyes! This is Chasing the Natty, a college fantasy football podcast. All right, welcome in everybody. This is Jared Palmgren, host of the Chase and Natty podcast. I hope you guys are having a wonderful ride to your work on this Monday morning or Tuesday morning or Thursday mornings. I've looked at the stats recently and a lot of you guys really like to save uh, CTN for Thursday. So to all my Thursday morning listeners, I appreciate you guys tuning in as well. Man, it I, I can't believe the season's right around the corner. Uh, we got the Fantasy Football Expo next week. I'm super excited about that. Fall camps are starting up all over the country. It is just like rapid fire, left and right. News nuggets coming out everywhere. We're going to cover as much as we can for you guys to that today. And to help me out with that, I got, of course, one of the smartest guys in all of CFF, Mr. Nate Marquise. Nate, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great, Jared. Thanks for uh, for having me back on. Obviously, I'm I'm stoked. We're... We're starting to get some camp reports. Um, the season is just around the corner. We're just a few weeks away now. So uh, I'm really excited to kind of hop in and, and discuss some of the news and the early tidbits that we're hearing out of these uh, fall camps. I, I, I've had such a hard time keeping up with all of it. Like there are some people out there uh, and I'm, I'm going to give shout outs here real quick because they're. I, I try to do my own research as much as I can, but I cannot keep up with the news as much as I can without, first of all, Matt Bruning's fall uh camp reports that he's been doing over on the campus of canton youtube page uh like 15 minute videos he puts out pretty much every other day trying to uh, put together as much fall camp news as possible those have been incredible i'm also going to throw out the campus of canton and the cff site discords both of them have been fantastic in terms of people just finding articles all over the place posting them in the discords and it gives me a one-stop shop for both of those discords to go in there read what people are posting absolutely incredible stuff and so yeah we got a ton ton to talk about here today nate um but before we really kind of get into it again you guys know what i gotta do gotta give the spiel and that spiel involves the fact that if you're watching this on youtube make sure you like comment and subscribe i love reading your comments down there below guys uh y'all have gotten a little bit more chatty recently and i really appreciate that especially on the live streams we've been doing speaking of the live streams uh if you haven't noticed already again if you're on the youtube channel uh, you've probably seen them, but if you're listening to the podcast, I have been doing a CFF live mock draft pretty much every Sunday night for the past, like, I'd say two months at this point, or month and a half, I would say, um, where basically we just come in, we do a 25-round CFF best ball draft, basically, um, I'll sit there with a guest, we'll react to it, we'll answer your questions in the chat, it's been a ton of fun, probably won't do one this upcoming, or yeah, we probably won't do this one this upcoming weekend if you're listening to this on Monday. Uh, because, again, I'll be at the 
Fantasy Football Expo, unfortunately, just won't have time with all the traveling and everything like that. But we're going to keep it going until the start of the season. So if you're interested in that, reach out to me on Twitter. I'm at CFF underscore Jared. Um, in addition to that, if you're also listening to this on podcast, make sure you uh, follow us wherever you're listening. Make sure you leave any kind of reviews that you can. Really appreciate the five-star reviews. And I really like those written reviews. Again, I like just kind of going there every once in a while and just seeing the kind words you guys have for us or the constructive criticism if you feel like there's something we can do better all about that in addition to everything nate and i are a part of the cff team here at campus to canton it is myself nate uh brandon sanders chris moxley we got podcasts for you for you guys we got articles we got rankings we got cff adp we got tools like the draft predictor tool and we got even more stuff coming for you guys nate has some awesome articles he's been putting out recently he's got an awesome article coming out later this week that we're going to talk about here in a bit but even so we are just one of many podcasts that campus Kent puts out every single week on mondays you have us jason natty with myself and whoever i bring on as a guest uh, on Tuesdays, you got Campus Live with Austin Nace and Colin Decker. They've been doing an awesome conference-by-conference conference series recently. It's the reason why we haven't done a conference preview, because they've just been doing an awesome job over there. Go check out those uh, podcasts over there. Uh, Devi Debate is live-streamed on YouTube with Felix Sharp, Matt Bruning, Austin Nace, and Chris Moxley on Wednesdays. On Thursdays, you got Canton Bound with Austin Nace and Colin Decker. That is the NFL side of the Campus of Canton podcast. Uh, you also have the official with Alpha Fernandez, Matt Powell, and David Nipple. They've been doing an incredible job recently with some recruiting analytics. Absolutely go check it out. Uh, they recently released their freak list, and that is just a really fun article. If you've ever needed just a true primer to get into the 2023 recruiting cycle, that is the place to go and just find out some of these just incredibly athletic high school kids that are going to be playing college next year. Great place to go. And then on Fridays... When the season starts, I know that we are going to be getting the Bet on C2C podcast that is going to be for all of your DFS, betting, props, picks, all of that kind of stuff for you guys this season. So absolutely go check it, absolutely go check that out. Uh, Brandon Sanders, Chris K, Ethan Sowers, all three of them, they're going to be bringing you guys an incredible product. So yeah, pretty much brings us to the end of our spiel there. The only other thing I need to let you guys know about is if you haven't gotten it already, there's still three weeks into the season, plenty of time to learn about all these different players and teams. And the best way to do that is the CFF guide from Campus to Canton. It includes breakdowns for all 131 FBS teams, including the new James Madison Dukes, who have just came into the FBS. Uh, it includes player profiles for 36 quarterbacks, 48 running backs, 60 wide receivers, and 24 tight ends. It includes rankings that go even further than that. Also, the ADP ECR have both been updated for July. So you have very up-to-date information. You have an idea of where players are going now rather than when we first released this guide. In addition, you have Nate Marquise uh, and his 50, or excuse me, the freshman 50 player profiles. I did a fantastic job on that, looking for guys who are probably going to have a role this year uh, for their respective teams. So absolutely check that out. It includes now two sample mock drafts, one of which was developed from June ADP, one of which was now developed from July ADP. Absolutely check that out. And with us having now two months of ADP within the guide, I included a month-to-month -month analysis section of uh, June and July ADP. It gives you the biggest risers, biggest fallers, and I give you a little blurb about why I think each player kind of fell and rose. Absolutely check that out. And then finally, it includes a CFF 
uh, college football team and coaching and analytics section. Kind of helps you understand which section or which um, offensive systems will help your guys out the most. Absolutely go check that out. With that being said, that was a long spiel. Nate, you ready to get into this? I'm ready, man. Let's do it. All righty. We're going to basically go through the first section of the show is going to be just some rapid fire little news nuggets we've gotten out of different fall camps pretty much in the last week as they've all been kind of getting started. I think we got, I don't even want to count how many teams we have to get through here, but we'll pretty much kind of hit as many as we can. First one we're going to hit up here, Alabama. Uh, the major news here, it sounds like tight end starting tight end Cameron Latu is going to be missing some time from fall camp. Uh, Nick Saban has expressed that he does not know exactly how long that um, Cameron Latu will be out. Uh, and then the other piece of information we got is that Nick Saban has said that Jermaine Burton has been the most consistent wide receiver. And that, I don't think, really surprises anybody. So, Nate, what do you, what's your kind of reaction to this news? Well, it sounds like they're, they're pushing Latu pretty hard to get back. I think they know that there's a pretty big drop-off. Uh, from their tight end one to their backup. Saban singled out, um, and we were just talking about this. I have no clue how to pronounce his name, but it's spelled O-U-T-Z or O-U-Z-T-S, outs. Outs. Um, is the guy that he said could be the one that steps up and uh, and fills in for Latu for the time being. Hopefully he doesn't miss much, but I mean, I, I would think this just means a little bit of an extra bump up for the wide receivers, more more volume, more targets coming their way. Uh, one thing I did read today uh, is that Tyler Harrell has been banged up. Yes. He is not he is not at 100%. Sounds like he's still practicing, but, um, I mean, the combination of that, Latu, and the good reports on Burden are just, you know, I mean, wheels up for Burden, obviously. Yeah, I think it's kind of confirming what a lot of us have kind of felt. There's a reason why Burton has been going in the second, third round of drafts. And then Harrell, Earl, Brooks, those are all guys that you can grab after the 10th round. It yeah. really does seem like Brooke, or Burton is the guaranteed guy going forward. And I guess the question some people might have is, like, if they were a big fan of Latu, kind of like me, uh, does this mean that we should be looking at a different tight end for Alabama, at least for the first couple of weeks? And I say no. Uh, like Nate says, it sounds like they are kind of rushing Latu back as quickly as they can. But even still, part of what made Latu special was the fact that uh, his and Bryce Young's connection seemed to be pretty established. And I don't see how you can establish that kind of connection only a few weeks before the season or any other tight end. This has not been a system that has truly favored tight ends in the past. Uh, you'd have to really go back to O.J. Howard, I would say, to really kind of look for a CFF-worthy tight end out of the Bama offense. So, Latu could change that this year, but again, I don't think there's anybody else you really need to be looking at here. Yep. Alrighty. Let's move on to the next team here. Let's go to Arizona. Uh, reports on the camp have said that Jacob Cowling is the most consistent receiver that we have seen. It sounds like T-Mac, uh, Tutorial McMillan, has um, been kind of up and down during fall. Not quite as good as he was in the spring. And that apparently, uh, Kayon Burnett the freshman tight end has become a very big red zone target for the Wildcats. So Nate, what are your reactions to that news? Uh, not surprising with Cowing. I mean, that guy was, if you go back and look at what he did at UTEP, it is super, super impressive. I mean, we're talking about a guy that had, like, I, I want to say close to 1,400 yards receiving. The next closest was around 600 there at UTEP. Yeah. I mean, his market share was incredible. So the dude can play. 
Um, no, no surprise. He, I, I fully think he'll be the, the wide receiver one, the top target there. Um, McMillan will come on, uh, but I mean, he's going to have some ups and downs early on. He's a true freshman. Yep. So yeah, not surprising. And then, and then obviously in the spring game, we, we got a, an early look at, uh, at Burnett and, and, and he looked really good. So that also makes sense that he's starting to show out there in camp. Would you say that Burnett is somebody worth looking at in like a late, late pick? For redraft, because I'm looking at our ADP from July, and I don't see him being picked up whatsoever. Right. I I tend to pump the brakes a little bit when it comes to freshman tight ends. Um, obviously, nobody saw what what was coming from Brock Bowers last year. Uh, nobody saw that coming. But um, it's a it's an offense where there are some weapons. Uh, but we just don't know how consistent they're going to be with tight end usage. True. But I mean, he he is a guy that uh, you know I've I've watched some because he made my my impact freshman fifty. So he's a guy that I've watched some tape on coming out of high school, and I'm like, man, this guy has he has the tools and the athleticism to where if they decide to use the tight end a lot, I mean, he's got big upside. Yeah, I agree. Again, he stuck out to me immediately when I again you go look at two four sevens rankings and. You, you get one of the top 10 tight ends in the entire class is going to Arizona. You're just like, well, I got to check him out. Because, again, it's the whole idea of big fish, small pond. Again, Arizona, is a, it's a still P5 school. But, like, let's be real. It's barely P5 school. So, um, <laughs> it's, 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 still, it's looking it's, more more p5 than their uh um than their rival arizona state these days yeah and speaking of arizona state let's get on over to them news coming out of them is that zazavian valade was said to have been taking the first snaps at running back for the sun devils and my question to you nate is does it matter i get is it i know that arizona state running back has been productive in the past but this school is in such a shambles right now like, it doesn't matter for a guy like Valade? I think so. Yeah, I mean, even though it appears that, that this is a real dumpster fire of a program right now and they are they are absolutely trending in, in the wrong direction of what you would want to see if you're an Arizona State fan, um, it's still a program, at least, you know, lately under Herm, that has shown that they will pound um, their lead running back and that they use the running backs in creative ways involve them in the passing game so yeah i mean i, I if if there's a clear rb1 there um then that's something i'm interested in uh, i think even though the the game script isn't probably going to be in their favor it's still a it's still a program that's proven they'll use them that's kind of my problem with it is that it, it feels like validate is somebody that can get impacted by a game script pretty early on because like rashad white was a great receiving back so it didn't right. matter if Arizona State was ahead or behind in their games. He was going to get involved no matter what. Have we really seen Valade be utilized in the passing game? At least I haven't seen it. Yeah, it wasn't something that Wyoming did a bunch of. Um, I think he was capable, but I think if you if you look at it, I mean, they could definitely be specialized at Arizona State because Ngata, uh, I would think, from everything I've seen, is the better receiver of yes. the two. So you could be looking at a situation where, um, you know, they're splitting some carries and Agata's getting a lot of that passing work. No, that definitely makes sense. All right, let's move on here. Uh, let's go to East Carolina. Um, basically, word out of camp is that your starting three wide receivers here for East Carolina are Toledo transfer Isaiah Winstead, 
CJ Johnson is back with the team after his kind of rough and tough go early on in the spring and everything. And then Georgia transfer Jalen Johnson. Um, we've seen in the past guys like Tyler Sneed have some really big games with East Carolina. Nate, do, does any of these guys stand out as somebody you would want to take a shot on this year in CFF, especially kind of later in drafts? Because again, these guys are basically all free right now. Right. Yeah, I think that's the key is that um, they are free. You, you don't have to invest much to, to get a piece of this offense. What's really interesting is what happened to Cy Hatfield. I mean, that was the guy that everybody was kind of promoting in the spring, uh, that he was going to be the wide receiver one there. Now there's no mention of him starting um, last you know, I haven't I haven't read up too much on this, but C.J. Johnson was obviously suspended indefinitely for a little yep. bit. I guess I guess maybe that's over, or maybe he's it, just. It gonna sounds get a... like he has quote done what he has needed to do. So, <laughs> I I have fallen victim to the uh, C.J. Johnson hype train. Um, I felt like maybe I was conducting that train two years ago because uh, I really. I really thought he could be a pretty special player with his size, his skill set in that conference. So, yeah, I mean, if he's not going to be suspended, give me – I'll take a piece of that at the end of the draft. And and mm -hmm. and if it doesn't work out, so be it. I'll, I'll cut and move on, go somewhere else. Uh, fair enough. And uh, I got the actual quote here from uh, Coach Houston here. He said, oh, he earned it now. It was not a very comfortable spring in June. He did everything <laughs> we asked him to do. He understands the mistakes he made. He was remorseful. He took care of the consequences. That was the quote from Coach Houston. So sounds like a lot of conditioning he went through. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Gotta gotta love these East Carolina guys. Yeah. All right, moving on. Let's go down south to Florida, where the really the news that's kind of been sticking out to me is we kind of all talked about like we all love the upside of Anthony Richardson, but the big problem is we don't really love a lot of his pass catching options down there in game or. Not Gainesville. Yeah, Gainesville. I'm thinking of, I, I confused Jacksonville and Gainesville there for a second. Bad Georgia fan. Anyway, um, but wide receiver um, Ricky Pearsall, transfer from Arizona State, has started kind of making some waves down there as the potential number one option for Anthony Richardson. Is there interest in Pearsall there now? Like, again, we all love Anthony Richardson. He's going as the, let me look real quick. He's going as the QB, uh, why can't I find it? Oh, he's QB 22. So obviously we all love him. So if you're going to draft a guy as a QB 22, aren't you going to draft his potential number one wide receiver here? Uh, no, I, I really don't have a ton of interest in Pearsall. Uh, I mean, the fact that he's, again, kind of like the ECU guys we just mentioned, the fact that he's free and you could get him towards the very end of a draft or pick him up off waivers, um, sure, it's it's worth a shot, but I, I do think that the the value the um, the reason Richardson's going where he is is because of his legs, because of what he can provide from a rushing upside for CFF. Fair. I just I think I think they're going to spread the ball around. There really isn't much from Napier's um, history that that tells me that that he's going to have a really fantasy relevant wide receiver. So. Uh, sure. I mean, it's 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 worth a shot late in drafts, but he's not somebody I'm going to be seeking out. I'll, I'll look for the waiver wires, see how he does after week one. No, absolutely fair. Um, I'm I'm of the opinion where I, I I have added Pierce Hall to my rankings. I forget where I put him at at the off the top of my head, but it's really not that important. He's pretty low down there, but he's somebody now that is on my queue, ready right. to go in a in any kind of draft that I'm looking at. Because again, like if there is one guy that can stand out from 
what in my opinion is a pretty rough pass catching room there right. at Florida. I'll take a shot on that. Yeah, it's not a, it's not a good wide receiver room. Um, yeah, I mean they they went out and got Pearsall for a reason. So um, you know maybe he does become that wide receiver one. We'll we'll have to we'll have to see. But uh, I'm not I'm not super excited about it. No, fair enough. All right, let's go to Tallahassee here to the Florida State Seminoles. Uh, the kind of the news that I picked up on here is that Mike Norvell has said that he believes that the run game is kind of going in the right direction here. And in particular, it has been Treshawn Ward and Oregon transfer Trey Benson that have kind of been leading the way in that running back room. We have seen Mike Norvell, when he gets his offense going, it really does center around the run and a um, one specific running back here. So Nate, does Treshawn Ward or Trey Benson here kind of uh, pique your interest here? Benson does. Yeah, Benson's, um, I like the little bit we've seen from him, and obviously he showed out well in the spring game. Uh, he's just been banged up a lot of his, uh, you know, during his time at Oregon, and then he transferred, you know, wanting to get a fresh start here at Florida State. It was funny was, is when they interviewed him uh, and asked him about, you know, how he feels like his season could go, and he's like, I think I'm going to have a great season if I can stay healthy. It's like, yeah. <laughs> even he acknowledges that, man, I've been, I've been snake bit by the injury bug. So, but yeah, I think he's, I think he's really skilled. I think it's a situation where um, it's a little bit of coach speak that this is maybe a committee approach. And that I think that maybe after a couple of weeks, uh, you know, by, by say week three or four, we see Benson separate if he can yes. stay healthy and becomes that, that RB one there. Yeah, I would definitely agree because again, it felt like Ward kind of had his chance last year to kind of break out, break from the pack if he needed to. Um, so Benson would be the one that, if there is one that could, one running back that could kind of break out, it definitely would be where I would place my bets. Um, yeah. The other kind of tidbit I picked up on was that receivers Micah Pittman and Ontario Wilson were the ones making explosive plays. There's been a lot of hype around quarterback Jordan Travis. Any interest here in this passing game whatsoever, Nate? Not really. Uh, kind of similar to Florida. I think they're going to spread it around. And, you know, we, we like the quarterbacks for both Florida and Florida State, but we like them because of Russian. how productive they can be yeah, with their legs. So, yeah, not, not super interested in Florida State wide receivers at this point. All righty. Let's go on up to Texas where we got the Houston Cougars. And the big news here is that Matthew Golden to start fall camp is the starting Z receiver for the Houston Cougars, true freshman, four-star, the quintessential big fish, small pond, making an impact here early on. Nate, where do you think, or do you think he's worth drafting in a, in a redraft format as a starting receiver for Houston? I think we can all agree that this is dynasty value to the moon here. Sure. But do you think there's a, there's a potential that he could be involved this year? Yeah, I do, I, and I do think he carries some value in some in some redraft uh, situation. I, I mean, I I drafted him once or twice in in uh, some best ball leagues. I mean, obviously we we went pretty deep, you know, close to thirty plus rounds or so in that. But that was before the spring game, and that was uh, you know that was before we got this news that he's a potential starter here. So yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean he's. He's another guy that made my freshman impact 50. He was probably the easiest one on the entire list to put on. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I couldn't even put him on. We'll talk about it later, but I've got a, a, a G5 
sleepers watch list that I'm going to be putting out. I couldn't even consider him for that. He's not a sleeper. No, I mean, he's not he, a sleeper. There's too much. Yeah. There's too much hype surrounding him. Yeah. I think uh, if you're a starting wide receiver in a Dana Holgerson offense, you absolutely should be drafted for sure. Absolutely. And again, this is, this, this feels like almost like the payoff of like months and months of hype to where it's like, boo, he's a starter now. Let's see what he can do. It's great when it's great when the um, practice reports, the camp reports match what we've been hyping and what we've been talking about all off season. Yeah, it's we'll definitely we'll definitely get into some situations where it suddenly seems to have shifted in a different direction. But we'll get right. to that when we talk to the competition section here. Yeah. Um, but first, let's move on to Liberty. Nate, the Liberty QB situation is actually one that you and I talked about in our spring competitions episode that we did back in like March. And now it almost feels like that nobody really cares. Um, <laughs> like, I feel like nobody's really talking about the situation anymore. And this news that we got out of head, um, um, out of the staff there saying that this quarterback competition may not even shake out until after the season. Hugh Freeze is the head coach's name. I had blanked there for a second on who the oh, head yeah. coach was. Hugh Freeze said that this QB competition may not shake out until after the season. Uh, has already started so do we just kind of give up on this competition for the most part Nate because again sounds like they might be putting guys in and out as the season starts what do you think yeah so I believe you when he says that um I do think that we could see a situation I don't know who they open with but we could see a situation where multiple quarterbacks play in that first that first game I just kind of reading the tea leaves it feels to me like it's really down to Brewer and Bennett, mm -hmm. um, which makes us CFF fans a little sad that it could be Charlie Brewer again for a third, for a third program, probably going to start game one and probably not going to be the same starter by game six. So same, <laughs> same thing we saw at Baylor, same thing we saw at Utah. So um, yeah, I mean, but in the end, it's Hugh Freeze, and yeah. this is a dude that has produced some really, really incredible, productive quarterbacks. So I, I think you got to keep an eye on it, and it's a situation where maybe you, you take a shot on one of these guys late in the draft and and just hope that pray. that dart – that yeah, just pray that that dart lands and, and, and it pays off for you. And if not, they're an easy cut, and you could pick up whoever is the great week one waiver wire pickup. Right. Because there will be one. At least one, probably seven. We'll see. <laughs> All right. Let's go from Liberty to Louisville here. If you can't tell, we're just going alphabetical order here. So, like, if you feel like we miss anybody, just wait. We're going to get there. Don't worry. Um, big thing here that people really want to know about is the running back situation. Uh, Tyon Evans, Trayvon Cooley, Jalen Mitchell. Who's going to be the guy? Because Satterfield has really kind of liked his number one running back. And that's kind of the point here. It really looks like we're just going into the season with a committee. Now, some people kind of think that we're going to start with a committee and then we're going to see one of these guys kind of break out from the rest of the pack, depending on who's got the hot hand down the stretch. What do you kind of feel about this, Nate? Like, how do you read this situation? So this was one of the battles that I wrote about in my uh, uh, position battle uh, prediction article that I recently put out that you can find on campuscanton.com. But it's a situation where I I think all three guys um, are going to play. I think all three are good enough to where it's really hard to keep 
keep two of them on the bench. I know yep. that Satterfield and historically would like to just play one guy. He's, he's somebody that, that will feed um, his top guy. If he, if he can find a guy that separates, I just don't know that we have that separation here. I, I put that. I think Mitchell is probably the guy that gets the first, uh, the first look, but even like I gave a confidence rating to each one of these predictions um, in my position battle article and my confidence rating on that one was low. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as like a handcuff need, the problem you run into is that there's three of them. It's exactly. not two. Even, even if one guy goes down with an injury, there's still two other guys. So mm-hmm. it's really hard to handcuff. Nobody wants to spend three roster spots. Yep. And, and you still run into the problem despite them saying that they're not going to run Malik Cunningham as much. We know that's, that's still going to happen. And oh, so yeah. now, so now you, you've essentially got four guys that you are sharing the rushing workload with. So that's just, it's just really hard to justify investing too much in that situation, unless you just feel really strongly about one of those guys. Yeah. I'm trying to look at to, as to where these guys are going in drafts and pretty much all three of them kind of go towards like the round 20 plus range, but they're also yeah. not quite free. So it's not like right. you can pick, it's not like you can pick boom, 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 all three of them at the very end of your draft. Like you're going to have to spend some draft capital on this situation. And I kind of agree with you, Nate, that if you're going to do that, like go for a situation where there's at least only two guys that you're right. kind of looking at. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. If, if guys, not, two... just pick one and move on. Right, yeah, and and obviously of the three, um, Cooley and Evans tend to be the ones that have their their backers. You know, it's a, there's yeah. a lot of Cooley fans out there, and they want to see him kind of be the main guy. But it's it's a messy situation that I, I haven't I haven't really invested in any of these guys. Me over here being like the one Jalen Mitchell fan. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually kind of like him this year. Apparently, he like he slimmed down. He looked really good in the spring game. I know you can't just base everything off the spring game, but he looked right. really really good. He looked better as a receiver. So like I'm 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 curious in Jalen Mitchell. I picked him up at a few places. I wish we could have got to see Cooley play. He was a late scratch to the spring game. He got yeah. I don't know pulled a hamstring or something like that. Like like a practice or two before the spring game, and it's a really a bummer that we didn't get to see all three of them on the field to kind of see how that would play out. Yeah. Uh, We'll move on from one running back situation to another here. We'll go from Louisville. We'll go over to the Memphis Tigers here. And head coach Ryan Silverfield did a very interesting interview the other day where he kind of dropped this line where he said that last year they used a committee approach at running back too much. Uh, which kind of tells you, like, okay, he wants to run one guy this year. But the question is, do does Memphis really have that guy that they can kind of give the ball 20-plus times to every single game? Like, what do you think, Nate? I like Ducker. I, I like his game. Um, he was he was obviously really good at uh, at NIU and good enough to where he was getting reps before um, – Ontario Brown was so yeah I mean I, I I think he's a good how big is Ducker I was about to look that up uh, I could look it up for you real quick okay but yeah I mean he's he's a guy that um I think has the skills to make that happen I mean obviously Thomas proved that he was uh he was solid as well but I mean I just think Thomas is solid there's nothing there's nothing that really excites me about him so I think Ducker entering that mix and, and some of the uh upside I think lies with him I would say that uh 
Thomas's injuries indicate he's anything but solid, more like right. glass. But uh, <laughs> by the way, Ducker is five foot ten, one hundred eighty-five pounds. Yeah, so a little bit on the smaller side. Yeah, hard to hard to project a guy of that stature to get twenty plus carries a game. So yeah, that's yeah. that's tough. I would definitely agree. Um, yep, let's go ahead and move on to another running back situation here at the U Miami. Jalen Knighton has been one of those guys that has just taken a nosedive pretty much in ADP since the start of the season. Everybody kind of realized that a lot of his value came from the fact that he was the only running back at the U to, frankly, not die last year. Um, he was he was literally just a last man standing there. And he did well when he is, but now they got guys like Don Cheney Jr. coming back. You got Thaddeus Franklin coming back. You got the freshman, Trevante Citizen, coming in. And that's... It's those guys that it seems like are making an impact here. Oh, I forgot about Henry Parrish transferring in from Ole Miss. Right. But it seems like Thaddeus Franklin and Trevante Citizen have been kind of driving the buzz in the fall camp for Miami. Specifically, Thaddeus Franklin, who checked in at 243 pounds. And we have seen Massive. that Josh Gaddis is more than willing to have a CFF-relevant running back. Is Thaddeus Franklin, somebody to kind of consider at the end of your drafts as somebody that, quite frankly, has the stature to carry the ball an insane amount of times. What do you think about that, Nate? No, I, I don't think I would be ready to invest any draft capital in him. He's somebody that I would watch on the waiver wire. You know, I mean, obviously, Knighton's getting taken in drafts. Um, Citizen holds a lot of value in, in dynasty formats. But yeah, I mean, this is Gaddis's. You know, obviously last year with Michigan supported multiple running backs. And the, the problem for Knighton is, is he, he, he was fine last year. He was just really inefficient. And mm -hmm. this coaching staff has no ties to him. They don't owe him anything. He wasn't, he wasn't the guy that, that did that for them last year. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think he still ends up being the, probably the RB one coming out of camp, but probably it's, it's probably citizen is the long-term answer here. I'm not ready to invest much in Franklin unless I see something change in season. No, that definitely makes sense. And are you completely off night? And then would you say, just don't worry about him in drafts? Yeah. I mean, he's, I don't have any shares of him. He's, he's dropped a lot. I mean, this was a guy that was going in the first, you know, six or seven rounds when we, mm -hmm. when we started up uh, mocks and, and best balls early, early in the spring. And now, I mean, you're looking at a guy that's fallen to right around probably the 15, the late teens, as far as what rounds he's been going in. So, um, you know, yeah, I mean, it, it, he's, he's not somebody that I'm, that I'm actively pursuing. No, definitely makes sense. And I just looked him up. He's been in July. He went as the RB 53 in ADP and that puts him pretty much right after the 12th round Cut. is where he's yep. kind of typically going. Yep. All righty. Let's go ahead and move on here. Going from Miami to Minnesota, big news here in the fact that both Muhammad Ibrahim and Sean Potts have been cleared to play, and some of the beat writers have been making it pretty clear that they expect Potts to have a role here. They expect him to be the 1B to um, Muhammad Ibrahim's 1A. They specifically said that they expect Potts to at least get 150 touches which would put him at about a 25% market share of carries last year for Minnesota. 
But that does kind of leave a little, quite a bit of room left over there for Ibrahim to still be very productive as a CFF running back here if they do have him be that um, 1A role. What do you think about this, Nate? I know you've never, you haven't really been the biggest fan of Ibrahim this offseason, but like now that he's cleared, he's back. What do you think? I, I do think that this is going to be a split uh, to a certain degree. 150 touches seems like a lot. Uh, that kind of surprised me when I read that. I don't think they're going to run him as much as they did last year. If he gets 150 touches, I think that's going to be quite a bit more than 25% of the, um, of the pie from, from the, the amount of carries. I mean, See, they last ran year, about 602 times last year. Last year was a, that was an absolute <laughs> joke. Like there was, there was one game that they lost. They ran it like 28 straight times. Like, 28 consecutive plays without a pass. It, it was a, it was a, disaster last year that, and, that's and a, there's a reason why they fired their offensive coordinator after winning like eight or nine games last year so yeah yeah i um ibrahim is somebody that i'm warming up to a little bit because he's gotten that um that all systems go clean bill of health report and that's nice but i still have some hesitancy on on taking running backs that are a year removed from a ruptured Achilles. I mean, that's just, there just isn't a lot of data that shows that those guys come back to the level that they were performing at before. Yeah, he last last uh, month was being taken as the RB18, uh, pretty much fourth round value right there. I imagine you want nothing to do with that, Nate. Yeah, no, that's, that's too high for me. Um, I get it. I get why people want to do that. I mean, there's not, there's really not a more proven running back in college football than Mo Ibrahim. I mean, the yeah. guy was a monster in that COVID year. Um, but yeah, it's just as as somebody that that knows a lot about um, injuries and and it's what I it's what I study, it's what I do for a living. Uh, an Achilles rupture is not one that I that I'm super excited to invest in. I have to ask you more about that uh, at one point. I think that be make that would make for an interesting show about how how to gauge different injuries. Yeah, uh, yeah. When it comes I mean, to player values. Yeah, Achilles is as far as in in the hierarchy of, of of injuries. I mean, Achilles is pretty close to being the top of the list as far as I mean, it's it's it is much more difficult to return from an Achilles injury than an ACL. I mean, that's what I was that's wondering. Just, that's, yeah, it just it just simply is. Um. Yeah, the one the one share of Muhammad Ibrahim I've gotten this year was he fell to like the ninth round in a draft, and I was like, you know what? I'll take the sh I'll just take the shot here. And the other thing that people always ask me, or people ask me, they're like, when are you comfortable taking Muhammad Ibrahim? Because I like Muhammad Ibrahim, obviously. And I always tell people they're like, what round? What round? I'm like, I don't care what round. I care how is your roster built at that point. Yeah. Is he going to be? somebody that you're relying on is he your first or second running back off the board for your team then absolutely not go a different direction but if he's already like a guy that's going to be on your bench like say you went really heavy rb early and he's gonna be like your fourth running back on your team yeah sure i have no problem with it others might argue that you probably pivot to a different position there but if you really want him on your team that's what the direction i, I would kind of recommend going with it is don't let him be somebody that if he doesn't pan out it could screw your team or you, you're throwing away your third or fourth round pick on one of your starting running backs. Yep. I think that's a really fair way to look at that situation. 
Alrighty, let's keep into the Big Ten here. Let's go over to Nebraska. And the big, big hype train going on right here is Mr. Trey Palmer uh, being continuously referred to as the standout wideout and the wide receiver one for the Nebraska Cornhuskers. And then the other bit of news here is that Coach Scott Frost said that the QB job currently is, quote, Casey Thompson's to lose, although there has been some buzz that uh, Chuba Purdy might be pushing him a little bit here in the fall from some other beat writers. Nate, what do you think about this? Not a surprise at all with Palmer. I mean, he's a guy that um, I I discussed many times uh, throughout the spring and, and how much I really liked his situation there as the wide receiver one under under Mark, Whip, Mark Whipple. So, yeah, I mean, it kind of sucks. I've talked about him so much. He, he started off, I was getting him in, in best balls post, you know, round 20. And I mean, now he's, he's going much, much higher than that. And he's probably being taken now where he should, you know, where he should be taken. So uh, as far as the quarterback situation, um, Thompson's going to start. I have, yeah. I can, I can say that with full confidence. Um, I'm sure that, that he's being pushed a little bit by Purdy, but I think that's just more to keep Purdy engaged and, and make sure that they're getting the most out of that competition that they can right now. And that they're not getting, you know, uh, lazy, so to speak, that yeah. that the jobs are already settled. So yeah, it's gonna be Thompson. Yeah, I, I would agree. And by the way, Trey Palmer currently in last month went as the wide receiver forty four, pretty much right outside of round ten range. Okay, yeah, that's that's still. If I were in that draft, I probably I probably would have got him by then. So yeah, oh, yeah, that's 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 a good value. No, I, I have I have a ton of shares of Palmer already this year. I'm I'm surprised he yeah. hasn't risen up more than he has. And again, I. Let me look at my rankings real quick. I moved him up even more recently because, like, again, I've just really been, uh, I, I, again, I'm just kind of falling in love with Palmer and that entire situation. Uh, he's currently as my wide receiver 23 right now. Okay. Yeah, so. that's that's pretty high. It's probably higher than than where I have him. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's, you know, he followed his wide receiver coach from LSU. Yeah. He's He's got a play caller now at, at, at uh, Nebraska that has, produce the likes of Jordan Addison at the same and, position uh, right yeah and uh and and obviously had some really good success with wide receivers at his time at, at Massachusetts so yeah I mean it's a um it's a good spot to for Palmer to be in I mean obviously we're still projecting a lot we haven't seen him do anything he didn't yeah. do anything at LSU but um you know that's what we do here and I think there's a good chance it pays off yeah absolutely all right Let's go from one big end to another, and we're going to go to Notre Dame here. We're going to talk about the running back situation here. I would say overall, we still kind of expect Chris Tyree to be the number one running back in this offense. Uh, but Audrey Gastine continues to kind of impress in both the spring and the fall. There were reports about him uh, doing well. And then there's now reports that running back Logan Diggs could be back sooner than expected. How do you view this running back room, Nate? And like, who do you think are the targets here? I think Tyree's still the guy that we want. I think he is, um, he's, you know, he's been productive in, in spots. Like he is, he's never been a heavy workload guy. So it'll be interesting to see if he can take on that role, but is, is it esteem or estimate? I, I, I probably butchered it. I, well, I assumed it was estimate, but I'll be honest with you. I haven't, I haven't, yeah, I mean, he hasn't played enough for me to hear it, his name be called. Aud game, Audric but. estimate definitely rolls off the tongue a little bit better. <laughs> but either way, he's, 
he's a guy that has been getting some buzz. And I mean, he's, I've watched a little bit of tape on him when he was coming out. He, he looked a little kind of lumbering for, mm-hmm. for my liking. I mean, he's a big dude. He's like pushes 235 pounds or so, something like that. He's, but I mean, you can't, you can't deny the fact that the camp reports, you continue to read the same thing. He looks good. He looks good. He looks good. So at some point you just got to say, okay, this guy, I think this guy's going to push his way onto the field at some point. Yeah. But I, but I still think, I still think Tyree's the guy Diggs. I'm not investing too much in um, as he works his way back from injury. They may say he's coming back quicker than expected, but it still wouldn't shock me if he, if he, you know, a few games go by before we, we see him on the field. So I, that's a, that's a big advantage for Tyree and estimate. Yeah, I was about to say, it's one of those things where, like, they could rush him back, but why? When you have right. Chris Tyree and, like, and um, Audric Estime doing as well as they are right now. It's kind of like yeah. the situation last year a little bit with uh, Georgia. A lot of people um, question, like, why Kendall Milton wasn't playing as much. They're like, oh, they say he's healthy. Why is he not playing? I'm like, well, he's still nicked up. And why play him when Zamir White and James Cook are doing as well as they can? Like, yeah. Kendall Milton could definitely be a beast out there. Yeah. But, like, why risk it? Why risk injuring him again and making it worse? So I think yep. it's probably the same thing here with Logan Diggs. All right. Let's go to UNC down in Chapel Hill. And uh, the wide receiver situation is the story here from what it looks like. First of all, already before this latest news came out, you already had Andre Green Jr. Uh, first of all, it was being talked up by Mac Brown before he even got to campus. Like, Mac Brown lamented the fact that he couldn't play Andre Green Jr. in the spring game. Uh, and so now he is there. Multiple reports have said that he is just continuously turning heads there um, as a true freshman. And then now we have Antoine Green, the starting outside wide receiver opposite of Josh Downs now has a collarbone injury in practice and is likely out for several weeks and maybe a couple games into the season here. Nate, what are we thinking here? Do we think Andre Green Jr. now is possibly ready to step up as a potential starter, as a true freshman for this very productive UNC offense? Yeah, it may be a little... I would hesitate to say that he starts out the gate, um, but... I mean, there's there's a, a much more clear path now. If if the elder Green, the senior Antoine Green, is is going to be out for a while, I mean, he, I, I would say they're they're competing directly for the same spot. He would slide right into that role as a boundary receiver. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the path is is obviously more clear now. So I, I think that helps. And um, you know, I mean, we want to see what this quarterback room how it's going to shake out, but. Yep. Um, it's generally an offense that can support multiple multiple wide receivers. So we'll talk more about the UNC quarterback situation here in a bit. But like overall, I'm just kind of like when it comes to how they affect the wide receivers, I'm kind of at the point where like I don't think it matters. I think they're both good enough to be able to feed these wide receivers. It's not like we're looking at a right. uh, situation like well, well I'll train. Oh, it's not like we're looking at a situation like we are over at North <laughs> Texas. Nice, nice. Where you have one quarterback, Austin Oon, coming back, but is clearly not great at being a quarterback, versus you have Grant Gannell, uh, who transfers in from Memphis. And by all reports at a camp, Nate, you, you probably have this written down, ready to go, in terms of like how their scrimmage went. 
Um, but by all reports, Grant Gannell looks better, but Austin Oon continues to get the first team reps. How do you view the situation? Do we think that Gannell will be the guy by week one? Or are we going to be stuck with Austin Oon again? I think Gannell takes the job. Um, yeah, you, you mentioned it. They, they had a scrimmage yesterday. Today's Sunday. They had a scrimmage this Saturday uh, on uh, August 6th. And it was, if you if you are a, a believer in Austin Ani, then I, I, I got some <laughs> bad news. I got some real bad news for you. Uh, I think he had four, he, he led four drives. Now, he did start. He was running with the ones and Gundell was running with the twos. But Ani had four drives. Um, he had no touchdowns, one field goal. He produced three points, and he had two turnovers and then a punt. So uh, it was it was pretty ugly. Meanwhile, Gunnell led two touchdown drives. So um, yeah, I think I think the staff just has to look at it and say why why would we invest this much into a 29 year old quarterback that wasn't very good at 28. Yeah. Uh, when we've got a guy that's got three years of eligibility sitting right here who's performing at, at at least the same level. So, yeah, I think I think Gunnell ends up week one starter. So, um, Froton, Eric Froton over at NBC Sports Edge, uh, he, when I posted a question regarding this QB battle, he posted what I thought was a pretty interesting uh, talking point here regarding the UNT offense, and I want to get your reaction to it in eight he says, I wonder how much the UNT approach changes with Gunnell under center anyway. They went on um they went they went in a run in the second half by bludgeoning opponents on the ground. Will head coach Latrell pivot when they have arguably the best O line in the CUSA? So do you think so do they go more pass heavy than we think? Or do we do they go as pass heavy as we think they do with Gunnell under center? Or do yeah, they so continue I think to run the ball? Yeah, I think Eric brings up a really good point. I mean, they they did absolutely dismantle opponents on the ground last year. But I think part of that was also because their wide receiver core was absolutely decimated by injuries. Mm -hmm. I mean, Roderick Burns started off as second string wide receiver. And by the end of the year, I mean, he was literally the only man with a pulse that was out there able to catch passes. So um, I think their wide receiver room is going to be healthier, at least to start the season. So I don't know that they are as aggressive running the ball as, as maybe they were last year, but I think he brings up a great point. Mm -hmm. It was uh, it was very successful for them running the ball, and, and no reason to think with their entire O-line and their backfield back that they can't have that same level of success. But yeah, I, I think there's some level of balance that we could see uh, at least a little bit more this year than last year. I definitely agree. All right, we got to move. We got to move forward a little bit further. Um, let's go to Purdue here. Uh, a couple of tidbits out of Purdue here: Tyrone Tracy getting snaps at both receiver and running back. Brock Thompson hasn't been cleared to play quite yet. Many expect him to be cleared by the time the season starts. And then Nate, you also put out a tweet the other day that Elijah Canyon, uh, wide receiver out of Auburn, is starting to get some buzz here. What do you think about each of those uh, little tidbits right there? Yeah, Tracy, they've been saying all along is going to be somebody they're going to use like a chess piece. Um, that that doesn't surprise me. Um, Brock Thompson, still not cleared to play, would definitely worry me if I were a Brock Thompson owner. He's somebody that has had a pretty well-documented injury pass. So um, the fact that he's still not 
hundred percent would definitely worry me that he's going to be ready um, out the gates. And yeah, I mean, Elijah Canyon, similar to Brock Thompson has, has been, he was really limited in at Auburn due to the, the number of injuries that he had. But if he's somebody that when he was on the field at times was pretty good. So if he can, if he can get right, then, um, and Thompson isn't out there, those two guys are competing for the same spot. Then, <clears throat> then that makes Canyon at least interesting. Fair. All right, let's keep going. SMU, Kamar Wheaton, Dealing with injury to start fall camp. Kamar Wheaton is a guy that just this past month was going as high as running back. Where are you? Running back 25. Are we worried now? Because again, like this missing fall camp from injury or missing any time in fall camp, especially when you're the new guy on the block, you have Trey Siggers coming back as an experienced guy. How worried are we about this whole running back situation here at SMU? I don't think I'm, I'm worried about it yet. If I'm a Kamar Wheaton owner, I'm not super worried yet. It doesn't sound like from, <clears throat> from what the coaches have made it uh, in their statements, it doesn't sound like he's going to miss games. Um, it's just a case of can he get in to, to get ready before games get going. It's a new staff, um, again, similar to Miami. They don't have any, any ties really to Trey Siggers. So I think everybody's going to be kind of on, on equal ground here. And when that's the case, I'm going to lean towards the more talented of the bunch, and that's Kamar Wheaton. So something to monitor, but I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not on, on red alert quite yet with him. Yep, absolutely fair. All right, going over to South Carolina, continue the RB talk here. Um, Marshawn Lloyd and Juju McDowell were kind of named as the first team running backs. At least those were the ones that people were seeing running with the first team offense. Um, nobody has really been like gunning for the South Carolina running back room. I think we've all kind of expected it to be a running back by committee at best there. They got a lot of good options there. But it did strike me that these two were kind of singled out and said like these will be the two guys with the first team. So... Any of these guys you think were uh, specifically McDowell or Lloyd worth a shot later in your rounds, Nate? Like they're ba again, they're both basically free right now. Lloyd might go in some of your drafts, but what yeah. do you think here? Yeah, not somebody I'm I'm drafting again. This is probably a waiver wire situation. I'll monitor. I, I'm with you. I think committee is is probably what we're looking at here. So I would uh, I'd be pretty hesitant to think that one guy is going to separate at least early in the season. No, absolutely fair. All right, let's go on here to Texas. Um, a couple things here. Alabama transfers to Jai Hall and Jaleel Billingsley apparently not been impressive so far. In fact, one um, one anonymous source was claimed as to saying that Jaleel Billingsley is just, quote, just lazy. Um and then Ajay Hall, from what it sounds like, has been running with the third team wide receivers there at Texas, which you have to know that if he wasn't happy running with the second team at Bama, that he's definitely not happy as a, wide, as a third string wide receiver at Texas. So for those of you who are drafting Ajay Hall and Julio Billingsley, I would recommend you stop. And if you want a Texas tight end, which I don't know how much you really want that this year, uh, but Jatavian Sanders, to me, is a better upside play. I've been saying that pretty much since the start of the season, that he was the one kind of getting some hype out of spring, and that Jaleel Billingsley, I think, is one of those guys that 
people were relying more on name recognition than they were on actual situation there. Um, And then the other thing here is that Hudson Card apparently has been taking first snaps over Quinn Ewers, but kind of how we see with the North Texas situation, he's also been kind of underperforming compared to Quinn Ewers. Uh, Card specifically has been cited as overthrowing several of his receivers in practice, while Quinn Ewers has been more consistent. Nate, how do you react to all this for Texas? Uh, I react in that I love it. As an OU fan, I, I love the 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 locker room struggles that they will probably have at Texas. But that's what happens whenever uh, you take a couple of malcontents and you you add them <laughs> you you add them to your um, to your locker room. Your chemistry is probably going to struggle. So it makes me happy, especially whenever everything I read it and Norman is total kum- kumbaya and, and Brent Venables and the conditioning coach have everybody kind of, you know, all fired up and heading in the right direction. So, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I was one of those guys that was, uh, you know, that had Billingsley ranked ahead of Sanders in, in our tight end rankings. I'll have to flip that. I still, I'm with you. I still don't know that there's a lot to, to, to go around for the, um, for the tight end position there at Texas, given all the weapons they have at running back and wide receiver. So I'll flip those two, but I'm still not going to have Sanders all that high. Um, and yeah, I mean, uh, Jay Hall, it's the same story, just new new colors that he's wearing right now. So yeah. as far as um, Quinn Ewers, it's, it's time, Sark. It's time. Let's stop. Let's not do this. Let's yeah. not pretend. Let's not pretend that this competition is real. Uh, you, you, you found a way to get the number one quarterback into your program it's time to play the number one quarterback let's not let's yep. not do this again it's not like Quinn Ewers is coming in as a true freshman or anything like that he had an entire year to learn at Ohio State again from all reports he has seemed like the better quarterback at practices I'm with you it's time to cut the sham we know that Quinn Ewers is going to start and if you do start Hudson Card I will heavily question everything I ever thought about you as a head coach <laughs> or an offensive mind yeah, that would uh, that would be pretty hilarious, actually. <laughs> yeah, it'd be great for you as an OU fan. <laughs> All right, let's go to TCU here. Quentin Johnson obviously expected to be a stud, but the noise out of camp has been really buzzing around true freshman Jordan Hudson. A lot of people really like DJ Allen, but Jordan Hudson was the true freshman who came in as an early enrollee. And he's been making some noise here at camps recently to the point where some people say that he might be starting as a true freshman in a Sonny Dykes <clears throat> offense. Obviously, they, this makes him a value in Dynasty. But similar to Andre Green earlier, Nate, is he somebody to take a look at in redraft this year as the kind of a late flyer? Yeah, I mean, if we keep hearing these camp reports, then yeah, I mean, this is uh, this is clearly an offense that can support a couple of wide receivers. Um I'm I'm a big believer in Quentin Johnston. Should he stay healthy in being an absolute monster this year? And in fact, I moved him up to my wide receiver three in my rankings recently, just because you know of all the of all the talk that he's playing the Z position now, which is what James Prochet played uh, uh, under Dykes at SMU, and obviously Prochet put up ridiculous uh, video game type numbers. But yeah, I mean, um, if we continue to hear this, uh, then you, you, he's Hudson's got to be on your radar. I mean, how, how could you not with this offense? Yeah, pretty much where I'm at with him. Next up, we got UAB here. We'll talk about a tight end because tight ends don't get enough love here. But again, just another tight end kind of guy. I've, I haven't really seen anybody drafting him. 
but UAB has been very productive at the tight end position pretty recently. I mean, Garrett Prince was a tight end 10 last year, and Terrell McDonald has been cited as stepping into a leadership role for this UAB offense. And again, UAB just doesn't have a ton of serious pass catchers. You might like Trey Shropshire, but outside of that, their entire system just isn't about using the wide receivers that much. They're going to run the ball with Dwayne McBride and probably try to throw over to the middle to one of their wide receivers or more likely Mr. Terrell McDonald. Nate, are people kind of sleeping a little bit here on Terrell McDonald as a tight end prospect? What do you think here? Maybe. I, I don't know. I honestly, uh, when you put him on the show sheets, it's the first I've ever heard of Terrell McDonald. So I can't pretend to know much about him. Um, he's somebody that that you can add to your watch list and uh, and and see how they perform, see how he performs early on. If he's if he's part of this offense, then uh, yeah, I mean, it is, uh, you know, they, they did well with, with tight ends in the past, but probably a waiver wire situation for me. Fair, fair. I would say if you really are struggling at tight end and you're in a deeper league, absolutely pick up Terrell McDonald. All right, UTSA, this one's the one that makes me sad. Uh, according to Camp Reports, the running back order for the first day of camp was Brandon Brady first, Traylon Smith second, Ty Edwards third, a lot of us have been. A lot of us early on were on Ty Edwards. A lot of us shifted to Traylon Smith uh, when he came in. But now Brendan Brady gets the first snap at fall practice. Are we just looking at a total committee approach here, or do we think that maybe there's some shift kind of going on here as to who might be the guy at UTSA this year? What do you think overall of the situation, Nate? I tend to follow Josh uh, Chevy Chevalier's lead on. He's pretty plugged into uh, to the Roadrunners and what's what's going on with them. And yeah, he was kind of the one, like you mentioned, led with uh, Ty Edwards early on, and then he has since kind of shifted over to, to Traylon Smith. Um, I'll be curious to see if he starts drafting Brady anywhere. Um, but I would assume this is a situation where it's like, okay, thank you for for coming back to the program, you get to run with the ones for a day. Mm -hmm. I, I just can't imagine he beats out those other two. So um, it may be a committee early, but this, again, this is a, this is a staff that has a history of feeding primarily one guy. And maybe that's just because that one guy, the last couple of years was so much better than everybody else. Could be. But um, I, I could see a committee early and, and then somebody starts to separate after a few weeks. Yeah, I'm I'm still sitting here with the Ty Edwards train because again, like Traylon Smith, just, he he's just not built to be a every down kind of back. Now he's got some good receiving chops. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but like a lot of people, like when he transferred there, they said like, "Oh, this is because they don't like Ty Edwards." I'm like, "No, it's because they literally need bodies in that yeah. room." Yeah, because they were yeah. just decimated this off season. I'm I'm with you, and I haven't like Traylon Smith is fine. He was fine at Arizona State. He was fine at Arkansas. That guy, he couldn't separate from the pack either places. And I get it. There was some decent running backs at Arkansas and his his running backs at Arizona State were really good. But man, I, I just, I don't see anything about him that makes me scream. I need that guy on my roster. I agree. I, 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 I've been taking the discount for Ty Edwards. I will say that yep. much. It has been nice. Yep. All righty. Last but not least, let's touch on one more tidbit here. We are going long here, but it's fine. It's going to be a longer show today, y'all. Um, Washington. Wayne 
Talapapa. Tulapapa. Tulapapa. Thank you. I, I even practiced that earlier, and as soon as I got to here, I absolutely butchered. Tulapapa, uh, getting first-team snaps at running back. Are we interested at all, given what DeBoer has done in the past with a guy like Ronnie Rivers? Or Wayne T, it's like he's Wayne T. I don't really care. I don't really care. Okay. Nope. They have they have too many backs there. I and I don't think he's all that good anyways. No, I'll pass. Sounds good. All right. Now let's get into the second part of the show where we're gonna really kind of dive into some of these composition battles that we're looking into. Okay. All right. Technical difficulties, got it fixed now. Let's go with the first quarterback situation that we're gonna keep an eye on here, and that is the Cincinnati quarterback situation with Ben Bryant and Evan Prater. And this is the one that if you've been following along, any of us CFF guys over the last week, we have just been tearing our hair out because more and more, it really does look like that Ben Bryant, the former Cincinnati quarterback who transferred to Eastern Michigan, now comes back to Cincinnati, is probably going to get the start over Evan Prater, who was the highest rated quarterback I think a G5 program has ever gotten, if I remember correctly. If not, if definitely Cincinnati. I can't remember if he was higher or lower than than uh, Preston Stone. But regardless, like an extremely talented dual threat quarterback, very much reminiscent of what Desmond Ritter did for Cincinnati last year. I'm basically making the argument of like I have no idea why Ben Bryant is apparently in the the um, in the lead here for this quarterback situation. What do you think about this, Nate? I. I don't know. I'm I'm flabbergasted. I I can't figure it out. Um, I would still. I'm not drafting Ben Bryant. I no. I would I would still draft Prater if this competition means that I get Prater at even more of a discount. Good. I'll I'll, I'll still continue to take it. I just can't see a world where Ben Bryant wins this thing. But I'll be damned if he didn't do that at ECU. And last offseason we were. Um, hyping up the uh the other quarterback that was there that Preston Hutchinson Hutchinson yeah 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 so I that mean was, maybe it's just brutal. I don't know what Ben Bryan does but he comes in and steals jobs that nobody thinks he can win so and then he doesn't play that well and so uh yeah I'm I still will invest in Prater over Brian I just can't see Fickle going with Brian I I can't really either and like uh, hold on let me look up where, where where's Prater going in drafts right now he's going as a QB 40 so he's already coming at a discount gonna come at yep. even greater discount now because apparently he won't be the starter but he's got to start at some point this year i again i'm with you i don't see a way that ben bryant is the guy all the way yeah. through the season yeah i mean I, I i still think prater starts but you know what um yeah i mean it's it's just hard to, it's just hard to figure out yeah I'm with you. <laughs> I saying, like, like what's the argument for Brian experience in the system does does steady, Prater steady not Eddie, have that? I guess man. steady Eddie I guess maybe maybe Prater is uh, more of a risk taker um his highs are high his lows are low and they want somebody that's uh, just going to be steady um but I think this year they're going to need their, their defense is going to take a little bit of a step back I think they're going to need a guy from time to time that can go out there and win them win them a game so and I and I don't think that Ben Bryan is that guy could be i don't know again I'm, I'm with you completely flabbergasted here i've been loving grabbing evan prater late because again i mean desmond ritter last year was the quarterback where did he finish it? it's quarterback 12 so like mm -hmm. this is a system that absolutely with a dual threat guy 
can be mm-hmm. CFF relevant for you any given week. That's not going to happen with Ben Bryant whatsoever. Right. Right. I'm with you. So, all right. Let's move on to the other position battle here at Cincinnati. I decided to include both of these here today because, to me, they're both interesting. Corey Kinder comes in over the summer, and, again, we all were wondering, like, Ryan Montgomery, what? We, like, he's not going to be the starter. He's not going to be the every down back for Cincinnati. Charles McClellan, heck no. Corey Kinder comes in over the summer. A lot of us started drafting him because, again, he fits that quintessential Cincinnati RB1. But it looks like a new player has entered the game here. It says Montgomery on the screen. That's not Ryan Montgomery. That is Miles Montgomery that has been recently touted by beat writers as another back on this roster that can fit that every down back for Cincinnati. So, Nate, what do you think about this situation? Do we continue to draft Kiner as high as he's going right now, especially since he is coming in, still learning the playbook, and you got Miles Montgomery over here who has experience with the system already? What do you think overall? I was all on board with Kiner. Um, I thought that was a perfect fit. We kept waiting for somebody to transfer to Cincinnati. He finally did. He's from the area. He he was an even higher recruit than Evan Prater. Um, the problem is, is that he's been banged up. He hasn't, uh, he hasn't started practice yet uh, for the fall camp. So that's super concerning. Um, and it's caused me to kind of pump the brakes a little bit. I still think if he, get, if he gets healthy and he gets there by week one, I think as the season goes on, he becomes the lead back. But I've mentioned this a couple of times. Let's not forget that Jerome Ford, we all thought when he transferred to Alabama from Alabama to Cincinnati, that he was just going to take that job. And he didn't. Uh, he didn't start and he didn't start until uh, the second season he was there. So could be a situation like that. Um, but I would be a little worried for my dynasty shares if Montgomery turns out to be the real deal and starts getting some carries early on. I mean, he's a redshirt freshman. Yeah, that, that, that would that would definitely hurt Kiner in, in his long term situation. I would agree with you 100 percent. I still think he ends up getting the job. I'm, I'm, <laughs> again, I, I I just feel like the talent will win out here, and we we see Kiner and Prater doing some RPO stuff together by you know, week two. No, I definitely agree. Sorry, start choking on water there because that's normal for people to do. All righty, <laughs> let's go on and move on here. We got another quarterback situation here. The UNC quarterback situation. Uh, I got Drake May, Jacoby Criswell. Some people want to throw in Connor Harrell as like a potential like dark horse for this job. I y'all, I like Connor Harrell quite a bit. I don't think he's going to be taking over his freshman year, especially when you have two good options here in Drake May and Jacoby Criswell. I have been on the record many times citing our own Brandon T. Sanders, who was at the UNC spring game, that May probably wins this job by the end of it. Again, Brandon Sanders said that when he was there at the UNC spring game, that it was just a different vibe when May was commanding the offense. A lot of people almost treated him more like the starter than they did Criswell. That might have changed as fall camp, as the summer kind of went over. These guys do their own stuff. Um, Fall camp starting, maybe it is a bit more neck and neck. How do you see this overall situation, Nate, regarding May and Criswell? I'm with you. I lean on on Brandon when it comes to North Carolina uh, information. And so, you know, I still have to think that May ends up probably winning this job. I will say when I watched the spring game, and granted, both guys, it drove me crazy. Both May and Chriswell went against the twos, the second defense, second yeah. string defense. And, uh, come on. 
um, which was what actually did make Connor Harrell so impressive to me. He played against the ones and I thought he looked really good. Um, yeah. But I'm with you. I do not think Connor Harrell um, wins this job. But my point being that Chriswell, I thought, looked pretty good in that spring game. In fact, I thought he looked a little bit better than May with what I was watching um, uh, during that spring game. But um, I, I like same as you. I'll lean on Brandon to this. And if he's still thinking May uh, has a slight edge, then then that's where I'll be as well. But I, I honestly have only gotten a couple of shares of May just because I do think Chris Wells good. They play week zero, and it would not shock me if both of them get time in that game. Yeah, I forget. Who do they play week zero? I, need, I really need to memorize it's, the schedules uh, at this point. It's, uh, they, they play a really weak week zero game, like Division two or like oh, FCS God. team. And oh, they'll definitely warm, both get run there then. It's a, it's a warm-up because they have App State uh, in week one. So it's kind of a warm up for App State. You want to know who that guy is before you take on App State. I agree, one hundred percent. But yeah, overall, again, I'm playing. I'm still playing my flag with May, uh, like Dynasty and everything. No reason not to try to grab both of these guys because even with uh, Criswell or whoever really loses this battle is probably going to transfer after the year, go start somewhere else, be a really good quarterback for a different program. No problem there whatsoever. Uh, and yep. then obviously Harrell, I think he's going to be great wherever he ends up starting because again he clearly has some talent to him yep. drake may last i checked currently going as quarterback 49 he has been the guy that people kind of go for if they do take a shot on this because i haven't seen criswell really go at all in drafts but clearly the effect is still there with may going as quarterback 49 because let's be real if this was a clear cut who is going to be the starter we're probably talking about a top 10 quarterback in cff here uh if we yep. knew who the starter was which Absolutely. also makes it why you want to take a shot on this situation. Yep, I'm with you. All right, let's move on here. Let's go to probably the biggest talking point in terms of quarterback battles all season long, the Texas Tech quarterback situation. Tyler Shuck, Baron Morton. This is the Zach Kidley offense who produced Bailey Zappi last year. That's why you want to know who wins this job. But there's been some kind of interesting stuff kind of going on here with Texas Tech recently. First of all, um, some of the comments from the coaching staff have kind of made it clear that Donovan Smith is relatively out of this quarterback competition. They are preparing special packages for him rather than really making him like a guy that runs the offense, which is fine. Donovan Smith's a talented player, but he, ha he has his role. And Shock and Morton really seem to be battling out for the top job. But Nate, you, were, you also kind of brought this up in our chat not too long ago. Morton has started running with the threes a little bit more. And we think that might be because he is hurt. And if that's the case, does that not make Shuck the clear guy to own or to roster here? He's So I looked a little bit more into this before we okay. came on the day. He's not hurt. Okay. Um, I, so I, I he's can say running with, with the threes? Yeah, I can say with – and I even put this – this was another one that I highlighted on my um, uh, position battle predictions uh, article – I can say with, and I put it on there, high, high confidence that Tyler Shook is your starter. I, I don't even, I don't even know that this is much of a debate anymore. Um, I, I don't think the staff wants to throw Morton out there. I don't think that they think he's ready. Mm -hmm. um, it has been Shook and Donovan Smith that have been splitting time with the first string offense. Um, I don't, I, I don't see any highlights of Morton running with the ones. Um, I don't think, just like you mentioned, it's it's almost like they're preparing to break the news to Donovan Smith 
by already hinting that we've got packages for you. We might try you at wide receiver. We might do some things. Mm -hmm. We want you on the field. You don't, you don't start with those ideas unless you've already got something in, in mind. And that something in mind is Tyler Shook is your, he is your starter. Shook's the starter. It's happening. I mean, that's kind of how I've been all this entire time. I feel like he's had the inside track to be the starter week one. The, the real question comes down to, does he stay the starter? And right. if they're making Morton their QB3, like I think they're going to give Shuck as much, <laughs> as as big of a chance as they can give him as possible. Like some people are like, oh, they lose two games, they're throwing Morton out there. I'm like, I don't think that happens here. I don't think that is what they want to do. They know that this is a team that is going to be struggling to win games because again texas tech is a lot of things but a great football team is not one of them yet yeah their schedule's tough their schedule is really tough um so yeah it would not surprise me if they lose a couple early on and 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 then they have to make some decisions but um i i can say with pretty good confidence i mean i i'm to the point where in in my most recent best ball i took uh shook i don't remember exactly what round maybe like the eighth or ninth round or something like that I didn't even handcuff him. I didn't even handcuff him. I'm I'm to the point where I'm that confident that he's the starter, and I'm I'm just gonna I'm on a I'm under the impression that if he is the starter, then he, by all indications, I think he'll keep that job. I agree 100. And I'm gonna throw out one more tidbit that um, Coach McGuire, head coach McGuire, threw out here, and he said that they're not gonna rotate quarterbacks, which right. again just adds more to this idea that Chuck is their guy going forward. Um, it was a breath of fresh air when I first read it because I'm like, okay, at least if they are going to switch back and forth between two guys, it's not like they're going to be shifting halfway through the game from one guy to another. Um, it'll be a week by week thing. But and I, and they did they did say they'll base their decision off of um, fall scrimmages. So it's something to, to monitor. If he if if Shot goes out there and lays an egg like he kind of yeah. did in the spring game. Then okay, I'll start kind of pumping the brakes a little bit. But um, I, I think the pecking order is is Shuck and Smith and then Morton, and I think it's I think we're kind of getting it pretty clear right now with that. Yeah. All right, we'll go from one exactly Zach Kitley system to another. We're going back to Western Kentucky, his former stop. You got Jared Dougie, the transfer from West Virginia. Austin Reed, the transfer from West Florida. Two transfers. Two older guys, two experienced guys that Western Kentucky has brought in to run their system this year. A lot of us really did not want, like we all wanted a transfer quarterback for Western Kentucky. Dougie was not really who we had in mind. If we're being real, Austin Reed is a little bit more of who we had in mind, except for the fact that Austin Reed comes from a Division II school. So a lot of people, including myself, a little worried about that big jump up in competition. But at the end of the day, one of these guys is going to start. They're going to try to run that system there again at Western Kentucky. Ben Arbuckle, a protege under Zach Kitley, Houston Baptist, and Western Kentucky. There's going to be value here in this system. I'm of the opinion that Dougie starts. All indications from our own uh, Hannah Page at Campus Canton. She's very connected with this program. And she has maintained that Dougie is the guy going into the season. Wide receiver Daywood Davis believes that he is capable of doing what Zappi did last year. I am not that far, but I think that if Dougie is able to do 70% of what Zappi did last year, you're still looking at a very productive CFF quarterback here. 
Nate, I know you're a big Reed fan, but what do you think overall of the situation? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'd say I'm a Reed fan, but I, I am a fan of the idea of him in this offense. Um, Jared Dagey, I've seen so much Jared Dagey to know that I don't want to see any more Jared Dagey. Um, and I'm with you. You're right. I mean, I would still – this is another one, again, for, for those of you that hadn't read uh, – haven't had a chance to read my article yet, um, go check it out. This is another one that we highlighted. And um, I put that, that Deggy wins this job and, and with moderate confidence is kind of how I rated it. Um, I just think that if Austin Reed somehow finds a way to win this job or if they split, they, they, they play week zero, if they split some time in week zero and he looks like the guy, I think he unlocks a, a ceiling on this offense that Jarrett Deggy simply does not possess. He will be fine if he gets the job and, and, and he will be productive and could finish inside, you know, QB 20, just because this can be a, a really high-powered offense. I mean, God, they threw the ball 78% of the time with neutral game scripts last year. So, yeah. um, but Reed has the better arm, and he has pretty good wheels. I mean, he can run. He had, uh, I want to say, around like 400 yards and, and 10, 10 TDs rushing, or you know, over the, the last couple of years. So, I mean... I just think the upside um, is much higher with Reed. Reed is the type that could get you closer to those zappy levels that we saw. Um, I just don't know if he gets the job. No, absolutely fair. I would say that that means that if you're in a dynasty league, Reed is the must-own here because he is the guy that could possibly take over this year and very likely looks set up to be the guy next year. Yeah, and and this is a handcuff situation. If you're if you're going into a draft next week and you want to get a piece of this offense, which I encourage you to do, um, if you take Daggy, follow that up at the end of your draft and take Reed. Um, yep. You know, it's just that's just the nature of it. I mean, there's not a there's not a single West Virginia fan that is upset that Jared Daggy is no longer their quarterback. <laughs> He's just not that good. We'll definitely see if he performs well the first couple of games. I maybe they change their tune, but I agree. Here in the off season, not much yep. to be excited about with just the idea of Jared Deggy. All right, let's talk about a running back competition here um, that I would say is kind of making taking a little bit of an interesting twist. I would say based on what I've kind of heard from others, but the Buffalo running back situation—a Mac running back—you love to see it. They've been very productive at the running back position. Obviously, Lance Leopold no longer there. But even last year, Dylan McDuffie was very, very productive for them, uh, especially once they got into conference play. Right now, we are looking at Mike Washington, LJ Henderson, and Ron Cook Jr. as your three options there at Buffalo. Very likely, you're still going to see, again, they got three good options, but we're still likely going to see one of these guys kind of separate from the pack. Um... Chris Moxley, who's connected to this program, has said over and over again he, that they like Mike Washington quite a bit. But I would say out of all of them that Ron Cook probably looks like the best pass catcher out of the bunch, which is a little bit interesting because I know guys like Nicholas Ian Allen over at CFB Winning Edge has maintained that this offense is going to pass quite a bit more this year. In fact, get closer to more than 50% of the time passing than they have in the past. And if that's the case, then maybe the better pass catcher in Ron Cook Jr. might be the better option here. I want to vomit at that notion because, again, I don't really <laughs> like Ron Cook that much. I would much rather somebody like Mike Washington or Al J. Henderson become the guy here. 
Nate, how do you feel overall about the situation? I'm with you. Um, Cook doesn't do much for me. He, he, he doesn't have the size that you, that you want for somebody that could have the potential to be a workhorse back. So I don't know that that would be his role. I do think he finds himself more as like a, a guy that, that plays on passing downs. And this battle is really between um, Washington and, and LJ Henderson. Um, even though, even if they do pass more, which I think they will, um, their offensive coordinator is the OC from James Madison from mm -hmm. 2019 and 2020. They, they passed more than what Buffalo historically has done, but they didn't really use their running backs that much in the past game. So, yeah. um, so I, I still don't know that 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 really helps Cook out that much. Um, I, I I've kind of maintained that I'm I'm thinking Henderson wins this job just because he was so electric in the spring game four touchdowns um multiple chunk plays uh, so that that's kind of where i'm at but there i mean washington certainly has the build to be that prototypical give you 25 carries buffalo type running back so that's I, this is definitely another handcuff situation in my mind and i would handcuff those two again i kind of hand waved it away at the very beginning of this discussion about the idea of there may be a, a committee approach here. But is that something to be worried about, you think, Nate? Because, again, they got at least two good options here. And if you're a Cook fan, they got three good options. Yeah, I think a committee is in the cards if we see Cook um, work his way into that RB1 role. Otherwise, otherwise, no. I, I think they'll pick a guy and, and, and lean on him. That's, that's just what this, uh, this staff has historically done. Mm -hmm. um in their past jobs or their past positions and once once McDuffie kind of took over last year I mean he was getting I mean he was pushing 30 carries uh, a game towards yes. the end of, of last season so um I think they'll I think they'll lean on one guy all righty let's move on to our last competition that we're going to really discuss here uh, our only wide receiver competition we talked about it in the spring we're going to talk about it here again this Utah State wide receiver core man I like they just have so like the more and more like you've learned throughout the summer and into the fall here it's like they have some really really good options there and it's kind of getting to the point of like man like who do you go with like who do you take the shot on do you just take the last guy available in your drafts because like Brian Cobbs when we first discussed this nobody was really talking about Brian Cobbs but now Brian Cobbs is a guy that is going as the wide receiver 37 Typically, you're looking at him around the uh, like uh, like ninth, tenth round in your drafts. He got up as high as fourth round at some point. I told everybody calm down a little bit on that. But Justin McGriff is going much later than even he is. Uh, he's the wide receiver, sixty-eight. Typically, going around like the fourteenth, fifteenth round. Xavier Williams is now just off the chart um, in terms of ADP. But he was a guy going really early on this year. Terrell Vaughn is a guy that I like from Juco. Nana Davis, or excuse me, excuse me, Nana Davis. Um, I, I, Nate corrected me on that before we even got on here, and I had to make sure I got that right. Nana Davis is somebody that a lot of people have really liked going into the future, and Nate, you can definitely talk about him here in a bit because he's part of your upcoming article. But there's also like other guys like Lee Yuen has started making noise. There's just all these names just constantly keep popping up in these practice reports for Utah State. And it's like, if you're following along with this, you have no idea which way to go. What are you thinking here, Nate? Okay, 
I, I think there's a lot to kind of break down here. There's a lot of layers on, on this onion that I'm about to peel back. I'm going to put on my, uh, my conspiracy glasses for a second because Andrew Katz and I have talked about this, um, I want to hear this. Uh, but before with each other, the lack of information coming out of Utah State on Logan Bonner right now is really, really weird. And so I, I, I was able to find some they, – they had a scrimmage on Saturday as well, and I was yes. able to find some statistics. And I couldn't – again, I could not find anything on Logan Bonner. And I know for a fact – go ahead. I know one thing. He – the first play that he threw was a 49-yard pass to Brian Cobbs. That's okay. the only thing yeah. that I could find. You're right. I did read that. Yeah. I, I found it interesting that um, that Levi Williams and uh, Cooper Lega combined for like 50 pass attempts in yep. the scrimmage. But we could not find any statistics other than that, yes, that one 49-yard pass. So he is alive. Um, <laughs> he is indeed alive. He is alive. He is throwing uh, passes, which is good because – um, it was weird. There was nothing uh, as far as what his injury, they, he was just injured and out for spring, but nobody ever has talked about what his injury is. It's as, it's as, as uh, much of a mystery as Trey Potts is at, yeah. with his injury at, uh, at Minnesota. Uh, although we do know it's some kind of leg injury, but um, so yeah, but as, as far as the wide receivers, um, I have really warmed up to the idea of, Vaughn and Davis in that slot role. And all indications are Vaughn's going to get the start, but I talked about it in my G5 Sleepers article. I highlighted uh, Nana, even though it's spelled N-Y-N-Y. It's Nana Davis. And as every single time there's a scrimmage, that dude makes plays. I mean, he just makes plays. And with Devin Tompkins no longer being there, he played out of that inside position, that inside receiver uh, mm -hmm. slot role. And that's exactly where Vaughn and Davis are, are going to play. And so uh, both of those guys are, are really slippery. Both of them are really fast. So I could see – I'm, I'm, I'm kind of to the point where I wish I would have had this level of information earlier in, in the spring and just kind of passed on the three guys that you see on the screen there, Cobbs, McGriff, and Williams – and just invested in the two slot guys and kind of handcuffed those two as like my last two picks of, of the draft. Oh, yeah. And the, cra the crazy thing with Xavier Williams was is that I was all prepared to scratch him off the list and say, finally, we have some clarity. I, we, can, we don't have to worry about him. It's only going to be Cobbs and McGriff on the outside. And I'll be damned if he doesn't come out and have a really strong last couple of days yep. in camp for Utah State. And now he's back on the radar. So it's... I would assume we're not going to see a Devin Tompkins. They're going to spread it around a little bit more. But the fact that the two slot guys are going for nothing, I mean, totally free pretty much in, in redrafts, um, I, I, would, I would be totally down with waiting on them and taking them late. I mean, let's look at – I mean, yeah, you're right. We're probably not going to get a Devin Tompkins again here. We're not looking at a wide receiver three overall in CFF again probably. But – Derek Wright was the wide receiver 61 last year, and Brandon Bowling was the wide receiver 89, but he had, let's see, one, like, he had several great weeks uh, yeah. throughout the season, so you're probably still looking at all that kind of averaging together. I could see easily three top 50 wide receivers here 
out of this Utah State wide receiver group if they do decide to spread it around. Again, it's just a question of who and if. Based on all the information I have gathered, I agree with you. Two slot guys probably looking at Vaughn and uh, Nana. I still think it's Cobbs and McGriff out mm-hmm. there on the outside. Yep. Again, we don't get a lot of information out of Logan Bonner, but I guarantee you if he is throwing to somebody that that is somebody that they are putting in their starting rotation. And the fact that we know that he threw a 49-yard pass to Brian Cobbs tells me that he's a starter. Justin mm-hmm. McGriff coming back from last year, like pretty much the only guy coming back from last year uh, and to, who with um, experience. I imagine he gets to look at the other side, a very different type of receiver than pretty yep. much anybody else on the roster. I still think it's him. And Xavier Williams provides a really nice backup to if either one of those guys goes down. Yep, I think that's a great call. I'm with you. It's just the values all over the place for these guys. Cobbs is probably the safest play, but he's going to cost you the most. Yeah, I, I would agree. And I do like Brian Cobbs pretty much. It's gotten to the point now where, again, fourth round was way too high for me. But mm-hmm. I kind of almost treat him in the same way that I treat Muhammad Ibrahim, where if I already have my three starting wide receivers for my team and Brian Cobbs is still sitting there, yeah, that's what I'm more likely to be like, Alrighty, I like the upside here. I'm not relying on him week to week. I'll go ahead and take the shot here. Yep. But then, again, I could also just grab McGriff five rounds later. I can grab Nana and Terrell Vaughn for free, basically. Right. So, alrighty. We're going to finish up the show here with Nate. You kind of touched on it earlier, but you have an article coming out later this week regarding some G5 CFF Dynasty sleepers. We don't get a lot of information on G5. We don't even really get a lot of information on CFF Dynasty strategy. So I bet people are about to eat this article up in terms of just finding out about out about guys they've never even heard of. I had to look up some of the guys that you were talking about when I got a sneak peek at this article, Nate. Go ahead and like give people what they're going to get out of this article later this week. Yeah, let's let's highlight um, one guy uh, in particular from this article to just kind of give you an idea of what uh, of what I was looking for with you know with some of these guys here. The guy that I want to highlight is uh, Devontez Walker. He goes by Tez Tez Walker. Uh, for Kent State. Um, he's a wide receiver there. And um, I think there's a really strong case for him to be the clear wide receiver too. Um, and at the very least, be a starting wide receiver for um, for Kent State this year as the other boundary opposite Dante Cephas. Let me give you an idea of the athletic profile of, of Tez Walker. So he um, he had been clocked multiple times at almost 22 miles per hour uh, during the um, during the summer workouts and um, and spring scrimmages. 20 21.9 miles per hour, 42 inch vertical leap. I was going to let you wow. guys know that's that's really really impressive. Uh, 10.7 broad jump, and then I think one of the, the more impressive things that I that I saw to this is a 32 foot standing triple jump which is just ridiculous. It tells you how explosive uh, he is driving so off of each leg. I, again, I'm not super into some of the, the track and field stuff and everything, but like just for the people who also may not be into it as well, standing triple jump is like there is no run-up to this. Correct. He, he is just standing still and then jumps 30 feet in three jumps. Yes, you stand, stand on one leg and then you, you rotate 
which leg you use. So you start on one, you'll jump off it, land on the other, jump off it, land on I the other. I would shatter my femurs if I tried to do that. <laughs> but it's it's a really it's a it's a really kind of under the radar but good indicator uh, type of testing to just kind of show off some of that explosiveness. He's six foot three. Um, he's still on the slender side. He's like a right around 180 pounds or something like that. But you don't so, need him to be in the Mac. Right. Right. And he, so he got some run at the very end of the year last year, uh, as a freshman. And so he, um, he, he redshirted, but he got some, he got some run at the end of the year, caught a, like a 65 yard touchdown pass from Dustin Crum in their last game of the regular season. I just think that He's somebody that could show out this year um, with, with Colin Schley and obviously not overtake Dante Cephas. I mean, Cephas is great, but I mean, we could be looking at a guy that let's say Cephas shows out and decides to move on to the NFL. I mean, you could be looking at, at Colin Schley's wide receiver one next year. Um, if he does what I think he's capable of doing with Tez Walker. So um, yeah, just a few different guys that I highlighted on this, on this list, some guys, you know, we kind of talk about how, um, you know, they, they're, they're playing wide receiver, but they have tight end eligibility. So mm -hmm. I think, I think, you know, you're always kind of looking for those little things to get an edge uh, in your CFF draft. So yeah, just, uh, uh, I think there's nine total guys that I uh, discussed in this article. So yeah, go check it out. Yeah. Again, if you're, if you're listening to CFF, you've probably never heard of most of these guys. If you're C2C, I guarantee you these are not guys that you have heard of, even if you follow recruiting and everything. Because, again, these are from schools that you are not really looking for guys to go to. It's an incredible article. Again, Nate gave me a sneak peek at it. I've read through it already. Honestly, there's some guys on there that, like, I've just basically added to my watch list on fan tracks already. I'm like, because, again, Nate, this is a CFF Dynasty article. But there's a lot of guys on there that could easily just break out this year. And easily could become the guy, maybe possibly become the guys for their offenses this year. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, I think yeah, I th this is a dynasty article, but there's in particular there's there's a handful of guys on this list that I think um, do have a pretty big role in in 2022. So, yeah, the article should be out by probably midweek next week. So probably looking at uh, um, you know right around August 10th or something like that. Sounds good to me. Again, absolutely go check that out. Check out all of our articles on campusacanton.com. We have an entire CFF section, basically anything to do with college production. We post an article over there. Nate does an awesome job with his articles. Chris Moxley constantly puts out stuff. Um, uh, Hannah Hannah Page over at Campus of Canton, she puts out articles as well. They've been doing the conference series recently. Absolutely go check out all of those articles, y'all. And then, yeah, we're pretty much here to the end of the show. Nate, you've been awesome. Uh, again, I, it's a pleasure every time that we have you on. You always bring great little nuggets that I've never even heard of onto the show, and I'm sure everybody appreciates every, every bit of knowledge that you can bring with us. Um, yeah, you can find Nate um, at CFFNate on Twitter. You can find myself, I'm at CFF underscore Jared. Uh, if you're listening to this on YouTube, again, don't forget to like, comment, subscribe. Uh, all that good jazz. You listen to me on podcast. Make sure you follow, rate, review, all that great jazz. Guys, season's right around the corner. Like when we started up again in February, I thought it was going to be an eternity to get back to the season. And like, lo and behold, the 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 expo is next weekend. We're going to be doing the Kings Classic with John Lobb. Uh, that's going to be a ton of fun. Uh, and then after that, two weeks, and boom, the season's here. We'll have week zero. Uh, stuff to look out for. 
Uh, again, no, not a lot of leagues play week zero, but again, we'll be telling you guys who we're looking for and everything. We'll have reaction to that, all that great jazz. Until then, y'all, it's, I, again, I'm super excited. The season's going to be great. Go time. All right. Appreciate y'all. Have a wonderful and blessed day. See y'all.